How are you doing? Welcome to uh, Tuesday's programme. It's uh, your call on the Richie Allen Show this evening. I'll give you the contact details in a moment, although they can be found right now on richieallen.co.uk. It's the BBG, not the BBC. This is your Richie Allen Show, live from the magnificent city of Salford. It's the Richie Allen Show, broadcasting live on richieallen.co.uk and multiple platforms around the world. And now, here's your host, Richie Allen. Yeah, it's a significant day today. Lots going on and there's lots to talk about. It's your call on Tuesday's Richie Allen Radio Show. It's the 9th of November 2021. It's been a nice day. A nice mild day here in Salford in the northwest of the UK. Hope yours has gone well. If you don't want to phone the programme or Skype it, you can always leave a message for me at richieallen.co.uk on the menu bar. Comment live. Leave me your comments and I'll read them out as well as we go along. Although it's a bit difficult to do it all the time during the phone in because I'll be managing a couple of phone lines. If you catch my drift. If you catch me blooming drift. Yes. Alrighty then, I suppose I better kick off by giving you the contact details if you haven't been on the website. It's your call. Skype. Chat with Richie. Or call 0161 818 2018. If you're calling from overseas, it's plus 44 161 818 2018. Talk to Richie now. And I will open the phone line and the Skype line in around about 30 minutes' time. If you did get in touch with me last time or even the time before, don't do it today. The wonderful thing about our phone ins is we generally tend to hear from mostly new people. It isn't parochial. It shouldn't be with the reach of the programme. So if you've never contacted me, do contact me. There are some very serious things to talk about today. Ordinarily, I say to you, set the agenda. But we've got to talk about the fact that it is now official, by the way, that jobs have been mandated for NHS workers. That isn't a surprise, but it is official now. It won't be... It won't be a problem until April. It's a problem, of course it's a problem. But they want NHS workers to work through the winter, the unjabbed ones. And then in the spring, if they haven't been double jabbed, they will fire them. Okay? Okay. I'll give you this again because I like playing it. I'm a big child. It's your call. Skype. Chat with Richie. Or call 0161 818 2018. If you're calling from overseas, it's plus 44161 818 2018. Talk to Richie now. I won't do it again. And the latest article on the website is the meme. You can see the meme with the contact details on there. I expect a high volume of calls. When you get through, I'll ask you for a password. So write it down. The password is nipple. Right? You got that? That's a bit rude, isn't it? The password is bosom. Bosom will do. Right, okay, let's swiftly move on. Saji Javed is a chunt, is a chunt, is a chunt. Saji Javed is a chunt. He mandates vaccines. You like that? I had to say chunt because I've never said the other word on radio in my life. Contrary to one or two opinions, I've never said that word. You like that? We'll say chunt. Uh, Frontline, whatever that means, NHS staff in England will have to be fully jabbed against COVID to protect patients from April 
told you that already from April 1st, April Fool's Day. You think they chose April 1st randomly? They probably did. I don't know. Uh, it will give the unvaccinated staff time to get both doses, said Sajid Javid. Uh, a bankster. That's what Javid is. He's a bankster, masquerading as someone who is an expert in public health. You could write on the back of a stamp what Sajid Javid knows about public health or anything else. He's odious, isn't he? Eh? Yes. I'd like to shrink him down to about to about four inches and stick him in one of those whack-a-mole games at the arcades, like in Tremor. Just whack the head off him with a mallet. Yeah, anyway. Okay, do you want to hear him then? Let's hear a bit of it. This is Javid announcing this this afternoon in the House of Commons. The Health Secretary. Of all the reasons for this progress, the greatest is unquestionably our vaccination programme. Across the UK, the overwhelming majority of us have made the positive choice to accept the offer of vaccines against COVID-19. Almost eight in every ten people over the age of 12 have chosen to be double-jabbed and over 10 million people have now received their boosters or third jabs. I'm grateful to colleagues across this House for their steadfast support of our national vaccination programme. Despite the fantastic rates of uptake, we must all keep doing our bit to encourage eligible people to top up their defences and to protect themselves this winter. I understand that vaccination can, of course, be an emotive issue. Most of us have taken this step to protect ourselves, to protect our families and to protect our country. Mm, protect your country, protect your family, protect your country. How many times do we need to say that the jabs don't protect anybody against anything? But uh, I won't belabor that point. Here's more. We've all seen, sadly, how COVID can devastate lives. But we've all Have we, though? H- have we seen that COVID devastates lives? Do you know anybody who died of COVID-19? Because I certainly don't. And I have yet to meet anybody. And I'm a gregarious guy. I'm a man about town. I meet people all the time. Chat with them. Most of them, many of them, I shouldn't say most of them, many of them wouldn't know that I'm a journalist. I just chat with them. Do you know anybody who died of it? No. Anybody who was in hospital with it? No. That is a promise. That isn't to say that some people haven't died of it. I'm not saying that. I've never met one. So, no, we don't all know how devastating COVID has been because it hasn't been devastating, really. But we've also seen how jabs can save lives and keep people out of hospital. We haven't seen that either. We have to take your word on that. Again, the jabs don't stop people getting COVID. They don't stop people passing it on. So I don't believe you. Our collective efforts have built a vast wall of defence for the British people, helping us to move towards the more normal way of life that we've all been longing for. Again, you know, jabs for freedom. Again, the, the, the implantation of the idea. Getting you, not you, but everybody else, right? Accustomed to the idea to get it embedded in their minds that you've got to take medicine in return for your freedoms. The efforts of the British people have been phenomenal. And those working in health and social care have been the very best of us. Yeah, but as uh, the great Robert Smith, lead singer of The Cure, once sang, it's never enough. It's never enough. Doesn't matter how many jabs you take, you'll be taking them till you're brown bread. Not only have they saved lives and kept people safe through their incredible work. More lies. But they've done the same by choosing to get vaccinated. 
and I want to thank NHS trusts and primary care networks for all the support and the encouragement that they have given their staff to take up the vaccine. The latest figures show that 90% of NHS staff have received at least two doses of the COVID-19 vaccine, although in some trusts the figure is closer to 80%. But Mr Deputy Speaker, while our health and social care colleagues are a cross-section of the nation at large, there is no denying that they carry a unique responsibility. They have this responsibility because they are in close contact with some of the most vulnerable people in our society. People that we know that are more likely to suffer serious health consequences if they get COVID-19. No, no, if they get the jab, they're more likely to suffer serious consequences. More! So whether it's in our care homes or in our hospitals or any other health or care setting, the first duty of everyone working in health and social care is to avoid preventable harm to the people that they care for. This is a nonsense because they can't. By the government and by sages and by the medicines and healthcare regulatory authorities, by their own guidelines, it is impossible, if you believe them, if you believe Javid and his merry band of liars, it is impossible for a care worker, impossible for a care worker to protect a patient from themselves because the jabs don't stop transmission by their own admission. The Lancet Journal put a study out last week that said new cases of COVID, people with new infections, with very recent infections, have a have as high, have equally as high of a viral load as the unvaccinated person. You see, he's lying through his teeth here. You can't protect anybody by getting a jab. It just doesn't work if you believe they're bullshit, which we don't. But let's just play along with them. By their own admission, the jabs don't do squat. And not only that, they have a responsibility to do all they can to keep each other safe. Again, it's impossible. These twin responsibilities to patients and to each other, they underline once again why a job in health or care is a job like no other. Even sounds like a banker. Let's skip on. And that this is especially true for vulnerable people in health and care settings. And I'm mindful not only of our need to protect human life, but our imperative to protect the NHS and those services upon which we all rely. Having considered the consultation responses, the advice of my officials and NHS leaders, including the Chief Executive of the NHS, I have concluded that all those working in the NHS and social care will have to be vaccinated. We must avoid preventable harm and protect patients in the NHS, protect colleagues in the NHS, and, of course, protect the NHS itself. Only those colleagues who can show that they they are fully vaccinated against COVID-19, can be employed or engaged in those settings. Right, no more of that. You may be surprised, you may not be surprised, you may be unsurprised to learn that the House of Commons, the Chamber, was less than one-tenth full this afternoon. Way less than one-tenth full. Your, Your politicians, maybe they're not yours because maybe you, like me, didn't vote, don't vote, 
understand the futility of voting. Uh, but politicians, members of parliament, elected members of parliament, thought it unimportant to appear in the chamber and discuss, I suppose, a a a bombshell, even though we knew this was coming. We knew it was coming. We knew. He said it himself some weeks ago. He was leaning towards it. The decision, the totalitarian decision to tell people that you will deny them their right to earn a living if they don't take the medicine in the injection that you would like them to. There was probably 30 people in the House of Commons this afternoon. You'll find it on YouTube or on some other video channel. You, You will see I'm not exaggerating. They couldn't bother their arses to show up. Nobody. Apart from one Tory backbencher COVID recovery group lockdown sceptic MP, nobody else raised so much as a concern, so much as an eyebrow at what he had just said there. What do you think his opposite number on the Labour benches did, Jonathan Ashworth? Well, he all but approved it. His only objection, and it wasn't an objection, was just be careful there now, Health Secretary. Just be careful because the NHS needs more staff as it is. Just be careful. But largely, you know, he approved. This is good. We need to protect people. There's no opposition to it. There's none. He did say, Javid, that for the moment they won't be mandating the flu jab for NHS workers, but that would be kept under consideration. It's open tyranny. I mentioned on the website today, I can't think of another word. I'm boring myself to death by saying tyranny and by writing it on my website. Is there another phrase? Is there another term to to give me a break from saying that it's tyranny? This is beyond tyranny. It really is. It's dreadful. It was known this. Like I said, it's no big deal. It was known. We knew it was coming. The papers had it last night. Now, the papers had it last night. So this morning, it was all the talk, even before Javid's speech in Parliament. Let's hear a little bit of Nick Ferrari on LBC Radio. He took calls on this from his listeners, including one from Daniel, who is in Slough. Good old Slough. Good old David Brent. Listen to this. I won't interrupt it too much. It speaks for itself, I think. Daniel Inslough. Daniel, where are you on this? Good morning. Hi there, Mr Ferrari. Morning. Hello, sir. Um, I am am quite opposite to your stand in in, in terms of where you're saying people should just get the jab to be able to keep their jobs. Right. Do you not think it's it's like constitutionally a violation of our our, our right to choose Uh, our, our, like, what we we decide to work as? Not not if you're in the health service, though. No. Actually, it is because there isn't a government well, actually sort of it isn't. pool no. of people who they force to be doctors. We all have to decide to be health workers, and mm. people choose to be health workers. If you are, so should they be penalised for that choice? If you are in the field of care or providing yeah. health or providing health care, why wouldn't you seek to do everything you could to minimise the risk of passing on a potentially deadly virus? Well, it's not about seeking to do everything we can because the science has already begun and the way that vaccine research has gone for the past 150 years is vaccines have been gone, have gone through years of testing, speaking in, in usually it's a minimum of five to seven years of, of testing before a vaccine is rolled out to the global population. 
and people are, are told that they have to take vaccines on compulsory basis. We didn't so have that time. why would this experimental vaccine it's not exp- be given on a compulsory basis? It's not experimental. It has passed it is every... Experimental no, it's not then. experimental. Just like LBC's James O'Brien, he's a colleague of James O'Brien. This is Nick Ferrari. He does breakfast. O'Brien does mid-morning. He's taking now to lying. Not my opinion. It isn't, as I said, conjecture. It's not how I view it. He is lying through his teeth. Daniel very eloquently explained the problem with taking this particular jab. It normally takes seven, eight, nine, ten years before we know whether it's safe. This is still in trial. Therefore, by the very nature of those two facts, it's an experimental jab. Ferrari contradicts himself. A second ago he said there wasn't time. Now he's saying it's not experimental, it's past all of these checks. You hear him say, there wasn't time, but, but it's okay. Basis. We didn't so have that time. why would this experimental vaccine it's not exp- be given what? on a compulsory basis? It's not experimental, it has passed it is every... experimental. No, it's not we're... experimental. It has passed every single hurdle of the European Regulation Authority, the FDA, the Federal Drugs Administration in the United States and that, in the but UK. But every other vaccine... Has been gone we haven't got time, Daniel. What study. don't you get? There are more than five million people dead of this bloody thing. He's we- a disgusting fat bastard, isn't he, Nick Ferrari? Google him and you'll see what I mean. A disgusting to look at, useless fat bastard. Screaming at listeners. Make your fucking mind up. Either the jab is safe or we didn't have time. We had to rush it through. Oh, the FDA approved it, uh, so did the MHRA, so did the European Union. All right, well, stick with that then. Oh, we didn't have time, Daniel. Fair enough, you didn't have time. Well, you can stick it up your fucking arse then, Ferrari. You and Sajid Javid. Come back to me when you have had time to look at a vaccine. Then I might take it. Fat fucking chance. But I might do. We have not got time to waste. I tell you what, do it your way. We'll come back to it in 10 years and the number of dead will be 55 million. Will you then be happy? Listen to that. Listen to that. I used to do it every now and then and then I stopped doing it because I I genuinely don't have a boastful bone in my body. I was an outstanding radio producer. I think I'm an excellent journalist. I've worked hard at it for years and years and years. This is fucking disgraceful conduct, this. It's absolutely disgraceful. It's so bad you begin to wonder, are some of these people, these uh, these primetime presenters, are they getting backhanders from the government? I'm not accusing anybody of that. I'm wondering. They are so vicious. They are so awful. They are so hell-bent on keeping the gate clear gatekeeping they're so desperate to avoid people being heard to prevent people being heard like daniel that to me it goes even beyond just being a curmudgeonly wanker on the radio there's plenty of curmudgeonly wankers on the radio you're talking to one maybe we had it for years late night jocks shouting at people james whale james stanich although james never did too much shouting at people in manchester we had this for years, but this is something different than the shock jock just being rude to people. There's an air of desperation to Ferrari. 
attempting to shut this guy down for basically dropping a few truth bombs. The States and yeah, in the but UK. every other vaccine... Has been gone we haven't got time, Daniel. What study. don't you get? There are more than five million people dead of this bloody thing. We have not got time to waste. I tell you Nick, what, do it your way. We'll come back eyes, to it in ten years, and the number of dead will be fifty-five million. Will you then be happy? Fifty-five million. Eyes, Let's put it there. Years, Countries will be wiped out. Everybody. Countries will be wiped out. Everybody will be dead by COVID. Dead. Do it your way. Hmm? You know what, Nick? You keep you keep talking about like um, seatbelts and stuff like that. Yes. Open your eyes to the reality that in the in the past year, more than five million people have died globally from car traffic accidents. So, from that reckoning, would you then make it illegal for anyone to drive? No, because I wouldn't. It's a risk to life. No, no, but guess what? So you why? do everything you can to minimise your chance of death when you drive. It's useless. In the same program, just in case you are under any illusion as to what Ferrari thinks. And this little clip from the same programme will, I suppose, give an, an understanding of why I begin to wonder, are some of these people on the government payroll? Now, I'm not saying they are, because I couldn't prove that. And I, and I don't even know if I think that. But I wonder, listen. Get the jab, keep your job. Get the jab, keep your job, he says. If you care for someone, why would you not have the jab? What is it? Why do you suppose we've done away with illnesses, so much as smallpox and everything else? Oh, dear. Because we've had vaccinations. So you have to get this done. And I have enormous sympathy for anyone who gets fired. I've been fired. It's not a pleasant thing, right? No one wants to go into work thinking they're going to get fired. It's pretty bloody ugly. I get it. The solution is in your hands. Get the jab, keep your job. Imagine that. Get the jab, keep your job. Repeat it over and over again. It becomes a mantra. And now you, now, you, now you understand why I wonder about some of these primetime people on some of the more well-known stations. That's beyond the guy's opinion. I understand that journalism died many years ago. I, I, as much as anybody, have explained this on this radio show. I've written about it. Even today I wrote about it. What happened to journalism. So we know journalism is dead and it was replaced with commentary. Commentators replaced objective journalists in fronting news programmes on television and radio. What happened in America inevitably happened here. That you got rid of objective presenters who had no skin in the game. Well, they did, because everybody does, but were professional enough to leave their own opinions at the door and professional enough to make sure that both sides of the argument were heard. They're gone now, replaced by commentators like Ferrari. But even still, that goes beyond commentary, doesn't it? It's not just his opinion, there's something else going on there. Or maybe I'm talking through my arse, which I do quite a lot. Over on Talk Radio, Ian Collins, the presenter at lunchtime, takes a different approach. Ian Collins today. If you're not uncomfortable, if you're not supremely uncomfortable with the idea that you lose your livelihood because you don't want to have a government-mandated injection. If you're, if you're OK with that, then there's something wrong with you. OK, that's point number one. We had David Miller on the programme um, espousing why this was reasonable. He's a former health minister. We've had Charlie Mullins, of course. He's not related to health, but he was one of the first, I think, out of the traps with the no-jab, no-job thing. Uh, in a liberal democracy, to be told 
that you will have your ability to feed your family removed if you don't have the jab. If that that should be upsetting to anybody, even if you are pro the the notion or the idea that this is the only way to do it, you should still be unkind. It's the same with masks, isn't it? I've said this incessantly. It doesn't matter whether you're pro masks, whether you absolutely believe that masks are the right thing to do, that you can see that it might not be, it's not going to you know, save anybody from a, a terrible dose of COVID. But even if there's 10, 15, 20% chance that you keep it to yourself, if you've got, even if you agree with all of that, you should still be uncomfortable with a flipping mask on your face. Everybody should be uncomfortable with the optics of looking at your fellow humans, mooching around the place, whether they're on trains, in supermarkets, wherever it happens to be, wearing masks on their face. At the theatre, the cinema, wearing masks on their face. Kids in classrooms, wearing masks on their face. Even if you are pro the idea, it should still sit massively uncomfortable with you. I hate it. When I hear people say, well, it's not much of an inconvenience, is it really? Oh, get in the bin, you... Of course it's an inconvenience. It's not just an inconvenience because it's rather uncomfortable. Um, I'd say that's a fairly significant inconvenience, by the way. Uh, but the optics of this, the human race, it is the archetypal scene from every dystopian movie you ever did see. The masked people, the faceless, the faceless. The, I mean, you, I, I'm not signing up to this, by the way. I don't believe all of the the mumbo jumbo that goes with it in some respects. But I do see that the symbolism is uncomfortable. Sure is. Ian Collins on Talk Radio today, finding common ground with Ian Collins. Wow. Thank you for your comments. I'm going to read a few of them. I will be taking phone calls in just over 10 minutes time. It is Tuesday's Richie Allen Radio Show. Live from BBG Towers in Salford. The only man-made object in Salford. Visible from the Eiffel Tower. Seamus Connolly says... Once the biggest collective workforce in the country, the NHS, once those people are relieved of their positions, then the rest of the workforce are going the same way, says Seamus. The NHS staff are the line in the sand. The general population needs to be standing with the NHS staff or life will become chaotic. Pandora says they know they all have blood on their hands and may have, presenters she means, may have taken a bong to stay as gatekeepers. John Heffernan says Ferrari sounds like he's got a gun stuck in his ribs. Paul, on the other hand, says, I don't know about government payroll, Richie, but the obvious conflict of interest is in the millions of pounds of advertising that's pumped into the mainstream media by the big pharma companies and their subsidiaries. That's an excellent point, Paul. Yes, absolutely. Faisal says such obviously manipulative propagandists are definitely paid agents, probably have been for a long time, and there's no chance they are not aware of their lies. Craig says Ferrari speaks of minimising risks to health, yet is carrying far too much weight. He is hardly minimising risk in his own life, is he? asks Craig. Yes. <laughs> wow. Hi to Bruce. Uh, Bruce, the answer to your question is because that's what I do. Thank you. Hi to Alan, who says, no, they're spoon-fed information, which they take as fact. Thanks for that. Gavin says, it's a shame the amount of uninjected in the NHS is relatively low. It's about 100,000, isn't it? Gavin goes on to say, if there were many more, they could not go through with their threats. 
they hope people will cave in and just get it. Gavin's wife has worked in the NHS for 18 years and she will wait to be fired. No way, she's having the graphene oxide clot shot. As Nick, as for Nick Ferrari, what a useless fat chunt. That's the word. It's the word of the day. Caroline says 55 million and more will be dead because they've had the jab. That's Caroline's point of view. Hi to David Keane. Yes, hi to Alice Cooper. If politicians are civil servants and we pay their salaries, surely a referendum is required to decide whether we want to be treated like slaves. I should have mentioned, by the way, Javid will have to get parliamentary approval to mandate the jabs for NHS workers. It will be put to a vote in Parliament. Sadly, the Labour Party will capitulate and they will vote with the government. Don't think or imagine there's any chance. Don't think or imagine there is any chance that Parliament will reject the government, will defeat the government. They won't. Uh, Katya says, Richie, I know of three or four people in the same town who died when the whole place seemed to have been hit at once by COVID. They were jabbed, says Katya. Thanks for that. Chris and Emma, I'm glad I've always been a cynical swine. I will never have the jabs. I will be unemployed on Wednesday. So it's Chris because we heard from Chris last night. But I can go into a care home on Thursday as a relative or a friend. It's tyranny on steroids. It is. It's arbitrary bollocks is what it is. Thank you for those messages. Thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you kindly. Let's talk about something else besides this madness just for a moment. Let's talk about more madness. Good Morning Britain is an ITV television programme. It's breakfast television entertainment. And I won't say news because there isn't any news. They had a lesbian couple on lesbians, which is ordinarily a good thing first thing in the morning. But these lesbians are launching a landmark legal case, a test case, against a branch of the NHS fertility sector in England. The lesbians are claiming that they are discriminated against because they are lesbians. We're talking about Megan Bacon Evans, Megan Bacon Evans, Bacon hyphen Evans, Megan Bacon Evans, and her wife Whitney, they're from Windsor in Berkshire. They have accused their clinical commissioning group in Frimley of penalising them financially because of their sexuality. They have 220,000 followers on YouTube, on Instagram, Facebook and TikTok. They are known as Wegan, Whitney and Megan Wegan. And they became famous as LGBT plus role models in 2009 on the BBC. They were in Say Yes to the Dress. Do you watch that shit, do you? My better half often watches that shit. Say Yes to the Dress. My big fat gypsy wedding. Loves it. Oh, that old shite. Can't wean her off it tried everything. ECT, I've shocked her. Absolutely shocked her. Cattle prodded her. She still goes back to that bollocks. I can't help it. Yeah, so the lesbians were on this morning to talk about the fertility and the discrimination. And, well, Susan or Susanna Reid, well, she fecked up big time. Oh, yeah. And then just, just tell us, you know, what are your dreams? What are your hopes? Who wants to be... Mum, how many children would you like to have? Who wants to be mum? Well, we both want to be mum. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, who no, wants to be mum? As in, of course you'll both be mum. Of course. So I apologise for that insensitivity. Oh, no, insensitivity. Who, wa no, who no. wants to carry the baby? Yeah. Well, um, Megan's going to go first. Um, hopefully, hopefully <laughs> um, she's a year older, so it, it just makes sense. Megan is going to go first. She'll be the first one to carry a baby. Because she's a year older, so it makes sense. They really thought that one out, didn't they? Um, and when we purchased our sperm, we got enough to have siblings as well. What? And when we purchased our sperm, we got enough to have siblings as well. Ah, when we purchased our sperm, we got enough to have siblings as well. When we purchased our sperm, we, we, we got enough to have loads of siblings as well. What kind of fuckery is this? It's absolute fuckery is what it is. Susanna Reid, she was backpedalling so fast, she nearly ended up in Cleethorpes. So she did. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry for discriminating against you by asking which one of you wants to be the mum. Uh, anybody who knows me, and who's been listening to my radio programmes for many years, knows that uh, I am not in favour of gay people adopting children. Or, I should, because they're not adopting. I'm also not thrilled about same-sex couples having children using sperm or surrogacy as gay men would do, I'm not in favour of it. That being said, if I was to be made King Solomon tomorrow morning and they said, right, Baldy, you get to decide everything, I wouldn't ban it because I don't believe I have the right to tell other people what to do. But I do believe that a child has a better chance with a mum and a dad. And by the way, when I was on mainstream radio, I had these arguments with people with gay and lesbian people and they were intellectual arguments and they were friendly and they were robust and nobody melted down and called me a homophobe. That stupid, ridiculous term. I have absolutely no problem with people's sexuality. None. I couldn't care less. None of me business. And two of the most important people in my life uh, were gay men, the best guys I ever met in my life. I just don't think that same-sex couples should be raising children. Not because of their gayness, but because I think a child needs a dad and a mum. It needs the masculine and the feminine, the yin and the yang, the football and the fucking ballet. You need a bit of that. Purchasing sperm, the world is mad. But anyway, like I said, if I was put in charge, I wouldn't stop people doing what they want to do. Because I would be a hypocrite. It's 27... It's, it's actually 26 minutes to the top of the hour. Lesbians in the morning. You can't beat a bit of it. Trigger warnings on pantomimes. What do you think? A Cambridge theatre has been, has been ridiculed online after it published trigger warnings ahead of a production of a children's pantomime. <laughs> Cambridge, the city itself, it's ADC Theatre is staging Cambridge University's Amateur Dramatic Club production of Rapunzel from the end of November. So Cambridge Uni has got an Amateur Dramatic Club and it's working with Cambridge Footlights Production and they're making Rapunzel. It's a pantomime. Look it up if you're overseas and you don't know what it is. Bit of fun. It's a big Christmas thing, big tradition here in the UK. On the theatre's website there are trigger warnings suggesting the content of the pantomime might not be suitable for some viewers. The trigger warning reads, The panto deals with themes of self-acceptance. While there are brief allusions to struggling with acceptance, there is no overt homophobia or transphobia against our LGBTQ plus characters. 
Among the other warnings on the website about Rapunzel are trigger warnings for, for Rapunzel for kidnapping, homophobia, misogyny, death, and, and alcohol. What kind of fuckery are you? Yeah, trigger warnings on pantomimes. Uh, Good Morning Britain talked about this too. They brought on a guy called True Powell. True is a black dude. He's an entrepreneur. Why? Why true? Why should we have trigger warnings on pantomimes? Here's true. What we need to remember is that these pantomimes, they do contain themes that may be harmful to others. And when we speak about trigger warnings, it's just that we are providing the audience with the information so they can make an informed decision whether they want to put themselves in a space that may trigger some really harmful emotions. And actually, I personally don't see anything wrong with prefixing any kind of content with a trigger warning if it does contain (laughs) themes that may trigger. And I also think, actually, Susanna, that it's really problematic just because it's a a pantomime and it's a family-friendly event um, that these um, pantomimes cannot be harmful. Fuck off, True. Fuck off and live on an island somewhere with other people just like you. That's what I would say. In the great Brian Cox tradition of the wonderful TV series Succession, oh, fuck off, is what I would say. Would you like to phone me in a few minutes? It's your call. Skype. Chat with Richie. Or call 0161 818 2018. If you're calling from overseas, it's plus 44161 818 2018. Talk to Richie now. Yeah, you can talk to me at any time. I'm a nice guy. I will talk back to you. I will listen to you. Uh, the, you've just had the phone numbers. If you don't or didn't catch them, the Skype and the phone, it's on the website, richieallen.co.uk. I'll open the lines in about 90 seconds' time and entertain me. The password. Yeah, the Cannonball Run theme on the Richie Allen Show. Tuesday's programme, the, the, the 9th, is it? The 9th of... November 2021, let's get rid of that and let's go to the Skype. It's Yvonne in Spain who we have heard from in the past but not in the recent past. I am going to move it along fairly quickly. I'll get through as many calls as I can between now and the end of the programme. Good evening, Yvonne. Que pasa? Hello, can you hear me? I can hear you well. How are you? Great, how are you? Ah, still alive. <laughs> I'm still well, alive. That's what? an accomplishment. That's an days. accomplishment. I mean, we got to take it where we can get it. You take know? it where we can get it. What's going on in 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 sunny Spain? Is it still? Because when we spoke quite some time ago, there were there were police people walking up and down the streets, castigating people who were not wearing masks. Tell me, it's calmed down a bit there. Uh, it's definitely calmed down. I mean, we have no QR codes, nothing of that going on. Um, basically, I just looked at the stats uh, today, and there's about 47 million people in Spain, and 37.5 million are now fully vaccinated, um, which is about 90% of the eligible population, so 12 and up. And that pretty much fits with what I'm seeing around me. I'm pretty much the only one in my own family who isn't vaccinated that I know in my own circle. Um, And it's very quiet. I mean, people don't talk about it much. Everybody goes to the bars. 
People still wear it outside, walking their dog at 7 a.m. with a mask on by themselves. So, you know, the Covidian hysteria still exists to some degree. But what about the government, Yvonne? In this country, they will not accept the 10%. They won't accept it. The 10% of people have said, no, thank you. It's about 4 million people in the UK, so it's more than 10%. So they won't accept it and they are tightening the screw. What about the Spanish government? Any signs that, that they just won't accept the unjab that they're pushing it hard as well how is it what's it like there it's it's suspiciously quiet which makes my cynical little mind turn about why is it that we're not getting hit by you know the qr code is coming you can't go to a bar you can't do this um i just think that either spain will just get schlepped in with the rest of northern europe and forced through financial means to accept these rules eventually digital passports or maybe they will have another doorway of getting the passports through here of some sort, some QR code because of environmental reasons, or uh, there's a mass unemployment rate here. Perhaps when they start turning off the funds from the government to the unemployed, they will say, ah, in order to get your UBI, you have to get this special little digital card to get your money. You know, they might force it in that way. Yeah. I mean, I I look at the Netherlands, uh, I have family there and, They have about 84% full vaccination. And as you know, they had the conference, uh, the press conference last week. And the prime minister stood up and said, "Okay, we're increasing, you know, the the QR code measures. Now you can't even sit on the terrace without the QR code. That's right. The COVID passes, they were going to extend the use of them to other venues. Yvonne, stay there. We're we're getting very sophisticated this week. We've got Gavin on the line. How you doing, Gavin? Oh my goodness. Gavin, turn me off. Turn me off, Gavin. (laughs) That echo in the background. I don't like the sound of my own voice. Gavin, turn me down. Gavin, are you there? How are you doing, Gavin? Hello. We can hear you loud and clear, my friend. How are you? Hello. Yes, but for some reason he can't hear me. We can hear you, Gavin. Are you there? Oh, yeah. Hello. Hello. Nice to speak to you again. I spoke to you in about May last year. You did speak to me in May last year. Say hello to Yvonne in Spain. Hello, yeah, Gavin. Can you hear me? Yes. We Hello. can hear you, Gavin. We can hear you loud and clear. Go ahead. What what point would you like to make? Hello. All right, Gavin heard us for a moment and then he couldn't hear us. It's obviously a problem with his um with his system there. So Yvonne, yeah. So they're suspiciously quiet in Spain when it comes to the unjabbed at the moment. That's that's the yes. lie of the land. And and maybe it's just because everybody's accepting it. I mean, even around my university age child, uh, all the kids are vaccinated. She's one of the very few who isn't. Right. So, you know, um, oh, and the other thing I wanted to mention for the Netherlands, um, the masks are back. So everybody has to wear a mask. All tactile professions like uh, masseuses, uh, hairdressers have to wear masks with their customers, except for sex workers. They don't have to wear a mask. He specifically mentioned that. In Did he specifically conference. mention sex workers? Yeah, so now there's people walking around with lanyards you know, saying, I'm a sex worker. You know? Everybody, everybody in, in the Netherlands is all of a sudden working in the adult, in the adult um, entertainment industry. I think we might have Julian. Are you there, Julian? Hello, Julian. Richie, are you there? Welcome, Julian. You've got Yvonne on the line as well. Hello. How are you? Hi, Julian. Richie? 
Yeah, it's there's something there's something wrong with people and, and how they're using Skype. I don't know where it's going to have to going to have to lose Julian uh, for for <laughs> for the moment. But Yvonne, before I move it on anyway, because I'm getting hammered with calls. Okay. Um, uh, you don't get any sort of talk there like we do here about Christmas restrictions, do you, or any of that nonsense? Uh, only people amongst themselves, but nothing really from the government because we've had the La Palma volcano. We've got the eco crap going on. Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of leading the news here a lot as well. So the COVID thing, I mean, if you look at there's very few people ill with uh, COVID. And if you look at um, the number of beds occupied, only 1.5% of all beds occupied in hospitals Amazing. is for COVID. And that amounts to 1,858 people. And 4.4 of ICU beds are occupied, and that's 400 people. There's, out of the population base, of 47 million. So there, there's just no. There's no there's problem no effectively. There's no problem effectively. Let's exactly. see. Let's see. Can we get Chris in? Chris, are you there? Welcome to the program. How are you? Hi. Hi, Chris. Can you hear me? We can hear you loud and clear. Say hello to Yvonne. Hi, Yvonne. Hi, Chris. Here you are. It worked. I knew it worked. Yay! It worked. I, I knew we could conference people. I used to do it all the time. And then, Chris, <laughs> uh, what would you like to say, mate? Hi, uh, yeah. Well, <clears throat> I could just come on and agree with you about stuff. But um, it, I actually, um, I helped Ryan Dawson with his website. Um, and I was, I was hoping you'd get him on for the September 11th sort of 20th anniversary. Ryan in um, Japan, who's been on before. Yeah, good guy, Ryan. Yeah. yeah. ANC report. It's just I heard you uh, talk about um, the missile in the pen uh, the alleged missile in the Pentagon the other day, but uh, there was plane wreckage in the building and passenger DNA, and there was people that saw a plane fly towards the um, yeah. towards the Pentagon. But you know, I know I've heard the arguments of oh well, a pass uh, it couldn't have done that <clears throat> at Corkscrew Turn or whatever, but the missile didn't do it. But the um, he tried to do it first time, and then he went back round in one big circle, circle, and then came down the the motorway basically, and then hit it. So, but Chris, you're changed... you're convinced that a a passenger plane did hit the Pentagon, then? Yeah, because and why it's important as well is because the the hijackers, it, the paper trail goes right back to the Saudi government and the Israelis, uh, and if without that, we lose the paper trail, uh, which I think is important. Um, you know, I'm not I'm not pushing the uh, official um, story or anything. Obviously, uh, it wasn't just Bin Laden in his cave or anything, but um, it it was out. Look at Al Qaeda. We we've helped them in Afghanistan. We've helped them in Syria, Libya. That's right. And, for, and, and we helped them on in New York. Yeah. Um, that, that's that's the way. I mean, if you I'm fascinated, film, Chris. I, I I'm really I'm genuinely fascinated by this, and I'm glad that we've got a, a contrarian. I I don't claim that I know for a fact that a plane didn't hit the Pentagon, but I I just don't believe it because there, there's no evidence. I I haven't seen any evidence that a big old passenger plane hit the Pentagon, and. It's not because I want to believe, or this is not confirmation bias, but long before I had any opinion on it, I did speak to many pilots, and they all they were all in agreement on one point, and that is that they couldn't execute that the flight plan. Now, you've mentioned the flight plan. They were talking about the official FAA flight plan that was released, that Hany, or Hany, Hanjua was supposed to have manoeuvred, and they said, Richie, it couldn't be done. And... Um, 
I've also got to be suspicious about the lack of debris, uh, Chris. This yes. idea that the plane disintegrated upon impact. Planes don't disintegrate, mate. Over to you. Why do you think I'm wrong? Uh, well, the, Ryan's got this on his website as well. He's got all the pictures of the debris in the building. And like I said, there's passenger DNA as well. But I think the problem with that that corkscrew turn thing, that's he tried to, he messed it up and made a mistake. And then he just literally, I've flown a plane before, literally because I didn't know where I was going. So I literally flew down the road so yeah. I could go over my house. He did something similar. I mean, you don't have to be an expert pilot to, to crash a plane. but No, you don't. Hang on, hang on. But there's, there's, there's a difference between crashing a plane and executing a crash, a deliberate crash into a building like the Pentagon. That's expert stuff that. Chris, remember, they told us that a novice pilot did that in a 727 or a 737, yeah. whichever it was. Well, I just can't believe that. I'm not saying you're wrong now. I'm not I'm not going to have a big yeah. flaming bloody row with well, you. I'm just saying I don't you know, buy right. it. You no, know? no, no, no. You know, I'm, I'm not. I'm not. Don't want to fall out. Well, how could we? How could we fall out? Yeah. But why? Why were the wings never found outside? Yeah. What happened Wouldn't to the, the wings? wings? Have broken off. And the engines impacted the building. No, it's, it's a pentagon. I mean, it's not made out of you know wood. It's the pentagon. No, it, 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 for, this is why you need to get Ryan on. But it's um, yeah. But you see, Ryan is a journalist, and Ryan has an yeah. opinion. He's not an expert. And I, I always laugh when people say, I saw somebody recently say, oh, you should listen to Richie Allen, he knows. And I, I stopped them. I said, I don't know. I have an opinion. Ryan is a good guy. I enjoy when he comes on the programme. But that's his opinion. I, 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 I'd love to say, yeah, well, I've seen the proof now that a plane hit. No, engines don't disintegrate. They don't. Well, and, and don't forget, I spoke to a guy called Kilsheimer years ago, long before I ever did, um, you know, this type of radio. And he said to me, uh, that he went there to assess the structural damage just afterwards. Now, bear in mind, this guy does believe that a plane hit the Pentagon. He does believe it. He agrees with you, Chris. But this guy said to me, didn't find much of any plane there. He was the first guy on the scene. The first phone call made by whichever Pentagon officials made the phone call. And this guy told me on Talk Radio Europe 11 years ago. So I didn't see any evidence of a plane, Richie. And, and I'm like, and? Well, it disintegrated, he said, on impact. Planes don't disintegrate, Chris. Uh, well, 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 what does it do? It, it doesn't, like, bounce off. I mean, it, it's going to disintegrate, isn't it? If it's flying at 300 and something miles an hour... Into powder. Into powder. <laughs> well, yeah, I've seen a pumpkin smash a car. I mean, I, I just don't get that. There was, there was wreckage in the building, parts of the building, the black box and everything. All the images are there. Um, but who gave those I, images? I, who, who presented those images to the public? Um, the Pentagon. Well, well, no, the 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 rescue team and stuff. All the firefighters were there. I mean, and like I said, witnesses saw the plane fly towards the building. No one saw one leave. No one saw a missile. Like you know, that's the counter argument. Is there was a missile? Can I ask you a it quick question? Can I ask you a quick question on that, Chris? I'd love to get into this again yeah. in more depth, and I will. I'll make a promise. We'll do a show on it. Let me ask you this: Why did the FBI and uh, the Secret Service go to every business? and every property in the area that had a camera uh, that was in any way pointing near the Pentagon and confiscate all of those tapes. If there was video footage of the plane hitting the building, don't you think those behind the false flag, because I think we all agree it was a false flag, don't you think they, they would have made sure the public got to see that uh, plane hitting? Why did they confiscate all those videos? For, from what I understood, they, you, you wouldn't catch a plane 
flying at 350 miles an hour and like a car park uh, CCTV. No, but there was plenty of other really cameras. Designed. There were service station cameras. There was plenty of other cameras that had big wide views of the entire area and they would have seen a plane coming in fast. What did the Pentagon well, yeah, do? It released two off. frames of a video or four frames of a little nose cone or something that appeared to be touching the the building. But when they took all of those other tapes that from, from other cameras, why did they do that and bury them? If a plane hit the I Pentagon? Don't know. Well, well, that's a good question. I'd like to know. So would um, I I'd like love to, to be able to answer. I'm sorry. But what worries me, Rich, is uh, BBG Towers is quite a susceptible <laughs> <word>. <laughs> To a plane strike, Chris. Yeah, let, yeah. Let, let's stay I'm with this for it. just a second. Um, what, do you, what, what do you think yourself then? Um, uh, Elizabeth, what do you think of it? What do I think of yeah, it? Yeah, of well, that theory, I think, yeah. I think, I think Rumsfeld's uh, Freudian slip of a missile hit the Pentagon was telling. Yeah. Uh, I think the lack of debris, the lack of uh, any footage of any camera in the neighborhood. Um, I think it's easy to, you know, dirty up the crime scene, quote unquote, with supposedly DNA found. Hmm. Let's give you know, Chris the final word, Elizabeth, and then I'm going to move on and take two or three more calls. Chris, you get the final okay. word, my friend. What do you think? Go ahead. Um, well, like I said, I've the the debris um, I've seen, but again, I just want to make that point that the the paper trail is so important that um, the, the hijackers were funded by the Saudi government, and we know about the dancing Israelis as well that were following the hijackers around. It just seems like uh, there's <laughs> there's disinformation, or what I hate using that word, put out to sort of make us look a bit sort of kooky in a way, um, but. But the real thing we should be looking at is like we've got we talk about how fast a building for snow cone. Yeah. The main thing is we've got we've got them celebrating in New Jersey from Dork Towers, the Israelis. They were the old dancing the Israelis. Yeah, we've never got to the bottom of that. And then they were spirited out of the country at the speed of light. I, I totally accept all of that. Chris, I promise you will pick this up again, mate. And if you want to participate, yeah, to talk. You, you know, it's good to talk to you. And I don't know any more than you. I don't pretend to know any more than you. So thanks. Richie, yeah, thanks for, thanks for what you do. If, um... oh, you're very welcome. Thank you. Thanks for saying it. Thanks for uh, to Elizabeth and to Chris there. Yeah. What do you think of that? You you might uh, you, you might agree with Chris. You might think, well, obviously a plane hit. You've got the contact details. We've got Miliana. I think I hope I pronounced that right. Maybe it's a maybe maybe it's not the the, the name. Who am I speaking to? Welcome to the program, caller. Oh hi, it's Miliana. I think yeah, I've just uh, I don't know paused your live, so I think you can hear me properly. I right? can hear you properly, Miliana. I did get the name right. Where are you calling from? I'm actually calling from Madrid, Spain, also as Yvonne, I'm not, and I'm not Spanish, so... Not not that. with a name like Miliana, I didn't think so. No, welcome to the yeah, programme. I'm from Serbia. You're from Serbia. Miliana, it's lovely to have you on. What would you like to say? Well, the thing is something, uh, I have to add something that Yvonne said, that she was so suspicious why everything is so quiet here in Spain. Because I'm not vaccinated, I don't want to get the vaccine. I don't. Want, well, obviously, I'm against the whole thing that is happening. And I think the society here in Spain, um, I think it will be more like social avoidance. You know, people will shut you down because there. I don't know. I think I've heard her speaking before, and she said something about the mentality, right? And basically something, because they believe everything, almost everything that the news say and the people and the authority. So it will be, you know, shouting, screaming, embarrassing you, making fun of you. And then, you know, things might happen or not might happen. Yeah. So the thing is, 
Mm, I'm coding because of a different thing. I'm actually, I've been working in alternative therapies now for 10 years. And um, you had so many interesting people calling you. And I think it was last week, it was John Walters, the Irish um, journalist. The journalist, right? John, that's right. Yeah, and he said like, he, he isn't optimistic, but he has hope. So uh, I don't know, maybe I want to say to people something, well, maybe, I don't know, share. It's a technique maybe that could help us all because it's a very funny situation because there are so many people listening to you and they all believe or think that, well, I do think too that this is like a fraud, that this is a horrible thing. And it's the language that I hear from you, I mean, on your shows when you're you have those lies from radio presenters and everything is like Nazi Germany. Yeah. So they are, I believe that they are introducing us, you know, to the future Auschwitz and all those things. It is, it is that bad. And, you know, I think that maybe the problem of many people, myself included, is maybe, you know, the fear, the panic, all the things that we, I don't know, some kind of a state of mind that we are maybe not connected to life, not connected, yeah, to life in general. And there is a Russian, I don't know if he's a healer or whatever. He's called, um, I don't know, I forgot his name, Sergei Nikolaevich Lazarev. And he has a theory that if we are filled with mental programs that are destruction and death, that is what life is giving us. It's like you know. I get the, it. If you if you see yeah, like, if you see this stuff a lot, if you see it on television, if you read about it, it starts to become your reality. Is that what he means? Exactly. And then, so it was so important for him because he's so religious, and he said, "So maybe if you confess your sins in a way that you you know you do your spiritual work, then life, if you support life, life supports you." Something like that. You know, like the. I cannot say the secret thing, but basically vibrations similar, you know, like, likes, like. Did he give an example, yeah. Miliana, did he give an example of how you could support life to start yes. with? Yes. Well, him not, well, yes, him, because he's like a religious thing, you know, confess your sins in some yeah. kind of way. But there is an interview with a man from Cardiff like 10 years ago. And his name is Chris Thomas, I think. And he works with Akashic Records. And he shared a technique and he said it was from the Native Americans that you basically use a newspaper. It has to be newspaper. We need that that uh, type of paper and we have to use the pencil. So we write down all that we feel and what we don't dare to express. You know, maybe we hate someone. We, maybe we are envious. Maybe we want somebody dead, but not that because we hate them that much because we are so hurt, you know, when you or maybe we are so mad or so angry. Yeah, because if we don't express it, then all those programs, mental programs that are supported with the emotion live within us. And we are we are giving it with our energy. We are giving it force. We are giving it life. So we are going against life. So basically writing down everything on newspaper, it has to be on the imprint. And you just write down everything that you don't dare to say, don't dare to share. Just all the filth, all the disgusting stuff, all, all those programs of death, of destruction, maybe of envy, insecurity, fear, whatever, whatever you want to say, but you don't, um, you dare don't want to, to say, say it out loud. loud. Yeah. You write it there. And what do you do? What, what do you do yeah, with it? What, what do you do with it then? Do you burn it? 
exactly you burn it and it helps a lot because i don't know i don't physically it releases all those trapped hormones that we produce when we felt those emotions yeah so you know even your physical state is getting better and what i've noticed in my um, experience it's like uh, emotions are flowing i don't feel that hate i don't i'm not that insecure anymore i you know i'm i mean like more in sync with life like seeing more beauty seeing feeling i don't know more joy more happiness and when i'm in con- and when i have conflicts i don't hate people i, I just you know uh, express myself better i um, deal with the conflict in a normal way and i think there is something in those vibration that actually yes they support life and then life supports you so your reality your reality changed around you it became more positive by doing that yeah ex- exactly and i think we are in times i cannot say this is the final battle but it feels like it and maybe that's the link that we are missing like we understand the manipulation we understand all the lies but we don't know how to deal with them and then again you had a doctor last week or was it two weeks ago and i forgot her name from united states that she said it in uk they already have the antidote for the vaccine the homeopaths or something yes. i don't know doctor something so basically all those now. things already exist you know like life already exists but maybe just needs us we getting better to connect with that information and then we can go through this with less loss i like this miliana and you you mentioned a guy i think called from from cardiff did you mention chris yes, morris chris thomas chris thomas thomas, chris thomas yeah Yes, and I think you can still find his interviews like Akashic Records, like real Akashic Records. Very nice, man, such a direct man. And such a beautiful technique. And I'm saying maybe it's that, you know, maybe clearing our inner, inner world and getting in sync with, in, with life. We can get through this faster because I think we are very, very troubled times. We're in a lot of trouble. And it, it feels like destruction. It feels like that. I don't know. You had Mark Bayerski and he said that something happened while he was working um, like energy healing with people. Some of the people didn't react. Uh, I was lucky. The people I worked with reacted. So I know, you know, people that have some kind of a connection, the jabs, because those people that I work with are already double jabbed. So there's still hope, but we need to clear that, you know, the mess of the trash, the toxins and everything. It's not so just, can... uh, it's everything, it's diet, it's getting out, like Mark said, getting out to nature, spending time in the forest, near the sea, if you can, near rivers, near lakes. Absolutely right. Miliana, I'm yeah, going to... Everything, everything. If yeah. there's something you want to say quickly, I'll, I'll give you a chance to do that. Then I want to move on because I'm getting bombarded with calls, but I'm so <laughs> glad you got through, yeah, by the way. No, nothing else, nothing else. I just wanted to share that because I think, you know, we're doing the physical thing, the mental thing, we understand things, but maybe that is, you know, the part sharing that like emotional liberation, yeah. something thing that can also help us go through this and, you know, get on the other, on the sides of this. I love the idea. In general. I love the idea of pouring out onto paper all the horrible things that you're thinking, all the nasty things that you want to let go of, pouring it all out there, then setting fire to it, and then spiritually just letting it go. I love the idea. I genuinely love the yeah. idea. I wouldn't say it otherwise. Lovely to speak with you, Miliana. Hey, very quickly, just before you, I, just before you go, yes. as a Serbian, um, are you proud of Novak? 
he's not had the jab. It looks like he's not had the jab, and he, he's uh, it might cost him, you know, some playing time in some tournaments. But uh, if he sticks to his guns, uh, we'll we'll be proud of him, right? Absolutely, very, very proud of him. And it gives hope uh, because, you know, maybe other people, because unfortunately, Serbia, I don't know what happened to the Serbs. They succumbed to the pressure. And hopefully, you know, having him unvaccinated would give uh, strength to other people in Serbia to say, you know, just no. Don't have it. <laughs> Enough with this. Hey, lovely yes, to meet very, you, Mariana. Thanks for getting through. And all you the too. best. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye for now. That's lovely. Miljana, she's in uh, Madrid, but is, is Serbian. And uh, Gavin is back. Thank God for that. We had Gavin for a bit and we lost him. Gavin, welcome back. How are you? Hello. Yeah. Can you hear me? Ah, loud and clear. And you sound great. Thanks. I'm so glad you got back, mate. Um, well, it's over to you. What would you like to say? Uh, yeah, I spoke to you earlier in May this year about, because uh, I work in health and social care. So I work for a drug and alcohol service. And um, I was talking to you about vaccinating the homeless people. Yeah, I remember that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I mean, I tried my best I could to kind of um, get in touch with as many clients as possible because I knew that there was like a, a nurse basically going around vaccinating people, trying to uh, round them all up almost. A lot of them had already had it through their doctors anyway, unfortunately. Um, and I, t- I tried to speak to a few of them. And, well, I spoke to quite a lot of them about it but I don't know how much I got through but I was just trying to because I what I was I was had that problem where I thought I was kind of part of it because I was still working there but I thought I could do my part by working there and kind of getting through to people who are vulnerable and stop them taking it but I don't know how if my attempts was futile or not but what I was calling about today really was um because obviously they're talking about the NHS being mandatory vaccination but what seems to be getting overlooked quite a lot is that it's all CQC regulated organizations and services. Yeah. Um, which, I mean, I know you highlighted that, but when I was trying, because I've been basically checking every day to see when's it going to happen, when's it going to happen, because we knew it was coming a long way, a long way away though. But um, I was just checking to when it would be happening. And everyone sort of seems to be going about the NHS. There's going to be 100,000 leaving because they haven't been jabbed. But when you consider the whole of CQC services, I was just on their website and there's about 83,000 services that the CQC regulates. So, Hang on a second, 83,000 services? Yeah, yeah. So you've got, um, for example... Um, By the way, uh, just in case people don't know, that's the Care Quality Commission that yeah, Gavin is right. referring to, yeah. So so obviously you've got some of the care homes are included in that and they're, they're, they're unfortunately have been mandated a lot before us. But you've got things like dental services. There's over about 15,000 dental services. Um, so if you think about how many, how many people work there as well, um, and you've got clinics like um, pregnancy clinics, injury rehabilitation clinics, you've got uh, community organizations such as slimming uh, organizations, weight loss, You've got youth clubs, you've got drug and alcohol services like myself, you've got um, mental health services, you've got 16,000 or a bit over that. And that deals with things like eating disorders. Um, and then you've got mental health services, special needs services, children's homes, adoption services, all these services. And the amount of employees in that probably outweighs, I mean, it's probably about equal, I guess, when you consider all those services and the NHS. So you're going to have so many people, much more people than, than what what the media are focusing on or what everyone else is focusing on as well as NHS is going to be un, um, 
understaffed and it's going to fall apart. These services stopped used to previously before we all kind of gave up our lives. These services held the NHS together by taking on, like, if I wasn't doing my job, then that would burden the NHS, supposedly. Right. And so you've got all these other services that are going to be also understaffed as well. So that's going to collapse as well, not just the NHS. Um, and it's just being overlooked. So I'm going to be out of a job um, in, well, we come, come, when we get into April, we're not sure when it's going to like actually start. But I was just trying to highlight really that how many how many services and organisations and people are going to be affected. It's far not- worse than than is being alluded to in the media. I nice. really, I totally yeah. now you are going to stick to your guns and you won't have it. I have great admiration for you. Uh, I wouldn't think any worse of you if your financial circumstances you know, dictated that you had to take a chance with the jab. I certainly would not think any less of you as a person. But we have to accept, I suppose, or I don't think we have to accept, we must consider the possibility, Gavin, that there are those who don't want it right now, but maybe they'll find themselves being pushed further and further financially, that sort of stress, family, and they might just roll up their sleeves. And how many will do that, I don't know, but we've got to imagine some will. Of course, there's going to be loads of people that do because just it's going to it's going to uh, cripple them. Really, they're not going to be able to survive. And there are people like I work with other people who haven't looked into all the stuff that we look into and talk about, yeah. and they haven't taken it, and they don't really understand the concept of the Great Reset and everything like that. But there's just something inside them that said, "I don't want it." But when because we can see the long run of what's going to happen, like it's never going to stop. Yeah. And all the other stuff that Klaus Schwab wants to happen, um, but and, and they will probably fold under pressure, or they've got a family to feed, um, they've got mortgage payments and, and all that stuff. That it's just not going to be possible that some people won't stick to their guns. And I, I've, you know, the, there's people that that maybe this is their line in the sand. Maybe they've um, before they've worn a mask and they may have taken some tests yeah. before. But maybe this is where they say no. Actually, this is where I that where I say no. The problem is, is we wouldn't have got there if they had if they just said no straight away. Because people like us, we just said we knew this. We we knew what was going on straight away, and we were just like, no, I'm not doing anything because I can see where it's going. Unfortunately, we are here because people have capitulated or thought, um, you know, I, I'll draw my line at the vaccine, but anything else is fine. Um, but now there are two jabs in and they're being offered a third and the British government has it's, it really staggers me that they can get away with it and then I can be called naive for saying that so they say to people last year get two jabs you can travel now they're telling people who've had two jabs um, you won't be travelling unless you have your third one um, oh, yeah. well, so most of my because in health and social care we were offered the jab like pretty much in March really um, so most of my colleagues are, even if they've been double jabbed, they're actually no longer double jabbed. So, yeah. so they're now on the third one if they haven't taken that. And I've got so a couple of stories. One of my colleagues, she didn't want to get it, but folded, and she been diagnosed with anemia. So uh, this might be a bit of a longer story, but one of my um, colleagues, she was off work for about a year and a half uh, ages ago. Something wrong with her pancreas. And um, she then there was an email going around saying, oh, um, she's been in a car crash. Um, can everyone sign her card? And then a few emails later, they said, 
oh, what's actually happened is she had a brain hemorrhage and she had a car crash and now she's in intensive care. And obviously a few weeks before she'd had the jab and what's a brain hemorrhage? It's a blood, it's a blood clot in the brain, absolutely. And I say this to my team leader and she doesn't quite put the dots together. She says, oh, she was very ill beforehand. It's like, yeah, but it was something completely different. Something completely different. Dr. Pat Morrissey said to me last night, it was bombshell, really, I didn't know, that a study is suggesting that it might be one in 350 that develop myocarditis if they have one of the, one of the jabs. And he, did you see that the man who holds the record for holding his breath underwater uh, 10 minutes has been diagnosed with myocarditis? No, I so, didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, the other the thing is, with, there are some of my colleagues who they've taken two and they say, no, I'm not going to take any more, which is obviously good. But then they, they will. Pro I mean, it sounds well, bad. They will, because if they've had two and, and then it comes to foreign travel again or if it comes to, you know, they will. We had a lady on from Canada. We had two ladies on and I remember their names, but I won't give them out just now. And one of them particularly was, was devastated about, you know, not going to see newborn grandchild and, uh, and that. And on, on, the f on the back of that, a gentleman reached out to, the, to, to me through the website weeks and weeks ago. And he said, I won't come on and, and, you know, you can mention my story, but don't give any details. He said, um, I spent the last 48 hours crying because I've just had the jab. Because I can't bear not going to see my uh, my grandkids, and and he, he even said in the email that he he worried about whether he would um you know be be of any danger to the grandkids because he had had the jab, but then he was told by uh, basically by his American because uh, because he, he's American uh, by his family that well the kids are having it. So and there's a guy yeah. who didn't want it, a grandfather in his sixties, didn't want it, and he said, I, "I'm I'm going to have it, Richie, because I can't be cut out of their lives." That's and sickening. It's, it's, it's the coercion, isn't it? Yeah. It's the, um, getting us wet because we are most of us, I think, are caring, loving people that we want to be part of a community and love yeah. each other. And that's how they get us. That's um, how they get us in the end, Gavin. I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna keep taking calls because I'm bombarded. And I do say I'll move on, and then I don't move on. Um, by the way, what you were doing with with, with homeless people, uh, I, I I think you probably achieved plenty, and you had the guts to do it, and you told the truth. You gave people the option, uh, Gavin, and I I'm I'm kind of proud of people like that and people like you. You said to them, look, this is what I'm hearing. It might not be in your best interest. You can't do any more than that, mate. You done right. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, and thank you for all you do as well. Um, not at all. All I do is sit here and talk bollocks. And uh, that's not a bad way to make a living. Thanks, Gavin. Lovely to hear from Gavin again. I, I think we'll hear from Gavin again in the future. I have no doubt about that. Uh, next up, because I'm keeping an eye on the running order, is uh, is Claire. And I, I'm pretty sure from my time on Twitter and my time on Facebook that Claire might very well be Irish but she's Irish and she's in New Zealand. Is that right, Claire? Yes, it is, Richie. See, I knew, I knew that. We, have we spoken before yes. on the programme? Um, no, we haven't on the programme, but I think I've like left messages and we, stuff on your Twitter right. and other things. Thank God, I felt like an Egypt for a minute. I thought, maybe we have spoken on the programme. No, I know you from Twitter and from uh, social media. And obviously, we, we look out for one another. Paddy's abroad, so even though we're not in the Absolutely. same country. Um, you're in a lunatic asylum. 
Uh, yeah, the People's Republic of New Zealand. I saw your dear leader on the news today because she was giving a a COVID briefing on Facebook Live with her big happy head in her and she was um, photobombed or videobombed by her daughter and it was all very cute apparently. The news media loved it. She's lovely, Jacinda Ardern. She's lovely, Claire. What's wrong with you? Yeah, she she uh, yeah she comes across as that, doesn't she? Not, um, she's losing popularity here. I mean, there was a massive protest like in Wellington yesterday. So you know, it, they, she, it was framed as anti-vax, but it wasn't. It was kind of anti these mandates. And like, come Monday, this coming Monday, the fifteenth, um, nurses, doctors, teachers, all of them, they've had until then to get their jobs, and if they don't have them, they're at work. They're gone. So it was very much um, anti, like anti-mandate, you know. Um, me, I'm, I'm actually moving back to Ireland. Are you? You're moving back home to get away um, from I'm that. Coming back on, yeah, yeah, because I think, um, like we, like we're, like obviously I'm Irish, like, yeah. but I think we'll be better placed to resist this, like at home in our country of origin. To be honest with you, um, is your fellow yeah, Irish player? Twenty fifth. You're leaving hey. on the, is your is your fella Irish or is he is he a New Zealander? No, he's English. He's 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 English actually. So we've got two children. Like I've got a three year old and a ten week old. I knew I, I knew and, that. Um, I knew that. I knew I saw something that you'd had a child recently. Congratulations, by the way. Yeah, thank you must very be, much. Must be madhouse at um, yours, but but anyway, congrats. Oh, look, it's it's gonna just like we have to get nasal rape before we leave, like the, the PCR. Yeah. But um, we're getting out of here, Richie, because. Like, come, like, say I'm on maternity leave, like, at the moment, but, like, I've no job to go back to. That's the reality. Um, I work in an airport here in Queenstown, and, like, they're bringing, they're bringing the mandates in, you know, and they're not law. They're just mandates. They're not actually grounded in law. But the problem with New Zealand is they've got no, um, they've got no constitution, Richie. So this woman is basically just changing laws willy-nilly, you know? Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We saw that here in the UK, you know, well, so they passed the Coronavirus Act of 2020. And within that, it gave them something that they call statutory instruments. It basically gave them the right to change laws whenever they wanted to without getting parliamentary approval. Is that something like what's going on in New Zealand? That that they pass some law that she can just do what she wants when she wants? Well, I don't think it's a law. I think they're just doing it. They're just doing it. Do you know, like even these these mandates, Richie, they're actually not law. Like, I mean, I've been... um, kind of in contact with a group called Voice Voice Freedom here in New Zealand. And like they're quite active, but like they're telling people not to quit their jobs, like wait to be fired, because basically the liability will be with companies. Do you know, like the employment laws here in New Zealand are very strict, you know, and um, these mandates mean, are sorry, just sorry, that. They're, mandates. Interrupt, they're not actually laws. Sorry to interrupt you there, Claire. When you say the employment laws are strict, are they strict in favour of employees generally? Yes, yes, very much so. So basically, if you work in a job for more than 90 days, after that, it's very, very hard to actually get rid of somebody. That's good. Yeah, it is. But at the same time, people are terrified. So they're either lining up to get their shot um, or else they're resigning. But like this Voices for Freedom group, I don't know if you've heard of Sue Gray. She's a lawyer here in like New Zealand. No, sounds like like I should talk to her. Yeah, she's she's bringing like class action suits and stuff like of, you know, teachers, nurses, all of that. that are going to be losing their jobs. And like the reality here is in New Zealand is like there's a teacher shortage big time. And there's also a nurses one and midwives like they're like really, really stuck for midwives here in this country. And now there's going to be hundreds, if not thousands, leaving their jobs like come Monday. And it's basically putting women in danger. Of course it is. 
Yeah, you know? of course it is. When you're dealing with pregnant women, of course, of course it is. Absolutely madness. Well, it is, like, absolutely. And then, of course, there's the MIQ debacle as well. So, I mean, like, for us, if things were different, Richie, like, you know, we'd be, like, I'd be going home, like, you know, for Christmas, like, and spend some time with family and things like that and be coming back. But, like, the way things are, like, we, we like, come the 1st of December, we, like, we're permanent residents. We can't get back because we're not jabbed. Because you're not jabbed. Before because all of this, jabbed. before all of, all of this, were you and um, your partner, were you happy in New Zealand? Oh, very much so. Look, we live in Queenstown, Richie. I'm sure you've seen photos of it. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking at the remarkable mountains now. Um, stunningly beautiful country, liberal, you know, it just, you know, people just get on with it. It's very outdoors kind of culture. But like, you know, March 2020, like everything changed overnight, you know. Remind them, because I'll get it wrong. She, she, she basically threw a cage over the entire country, didn't she? And enforced yes, a pretty strict lockdown, even though there weren't any real cases there. There weren't anybody sick, really. But anyway, she went full scale um, Stalin, didn't she? She did, yeah. And basically to date, there's been 31 deaths in New Zealand. 31. And the vast majority of them, Richie, were seriously ill people and very elderly. Very elderly, you know. I mean, a lady, the, like in this Delta outbreak, the first lady to pass away, she was 92, bless her, you know. Um, but of course, it's been framed as like, you know, oh, we're all going to die. Yeah. You know, um, I live on the South Island, Richie. There hasn't been a case down here in 18 months. Yet they're all masked up and, you know, doing their thing. Has that staggered you as much as it staggered me? How, look, we, we always suspected that we were in a great minority, even before the, the COVID thing. We always knew that we were in a great, great minority of people who suspected that there was a pretty... Orwellian agenda planned for the next few years. So we were in a minority anyway, but still, you know, I would have thought that more would have wised up to the arbitrary nature of this madness that they would have seen around them that people are not dropping dead with it, but yet they haven't. It's a, it is a, no, as you described. Yeah. Oh, look, I'm I'm shocked at the just how, how swift it's been, Richie. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But I think here in New Zealand, like, you know, they're a very laid back nation, lovely people. But I think that will be to their detriment, to be honest with you. You know, I mean, there is people like, you know, like standing up, but there's not enough, Richie. There just isn't. No. People are lining up and they're lining their children up for the jabs, you and, know. And, and um, you want, are you on the you boosters know, there as well, lot. Claire? So, sorry to interrupt you Pardon? again. Are you on the, is New Zealand on the booster now? Is it on, is it asking people to get yes. the third one? It is, right? Yeah. Yes, they are. They're starting to ask people now with the boosters. But you see, I suppose like when it came to the job, the rollout was like, uh, it, it, everywhere else started, I guess, in December, January. It wasn't really kind of till June, July that it was rolled out to the like the the bulk of the population here, you know. And yeah. then, of course, the Delta outbreak or whatever they're calling it in August. Then they really ramped it up. But now, if you're unjabbed, you're you're no better than a leper. This traffic light system that they're going to be introducing basically will be allowed into, um, will be allowed into the supermarket and the pharmacy, you know. And everywhere else is off limits. Well, off limits, but not just that, Richie. It's worse than that. I've seen anecdotal stories, you could you could call it, but people, um, they can't get dental appointments because they're unjabbed. And also, um, a town over from me, um, they're seeing the unjabbed in a tent in a car park. Hang on a second. The hospital, like at, at, the, at the medical centre. My God. 
So and they, that's they the will... truth, Richie. That's happened. Yeah, look, I, I, I wouldn't doubt you. Why would you say something like that unless it was true? So, so, so the unjabbed can't go into the building. So we've erected a kind of a tent, a kind of a marquee outside, so that the un the unclean can be given medical attention. Yeah, and people wow. who are medically exempt from masks as well, they're lumped in as well, and they're seen in the car park. Now, when you get home, right? What yeah. what does what does family back home in Ireland think of all this? Oh, they're they're, they're clued into it, Richie, big time. Oh, they know they're on the same they same know wavelength. They know it's bollocks, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, very much so. Um, they're Thank on God. the same wavelength. Um, <laughs> I've got um, my dad. Unfortunately, is cancer, so that's probably the main reason for coming home now. And um, yeah. he's not in great shape, but um, like he had his job, but none of the rest of them have had it. Do you know? So, yeah. That's um, we're looking forward to it, really. Um, get out of this um, lunatic asylum that is New Zealand at the moment. It's, it's it, you know, it's great to to connect with you. I must say that for several years, Claire has listened to the program and has sent uh, tweets to me. We've chatted on Twitter and I sent messages through uh, Facebook and uh, kind of felt that I kind of knew you, looking at the lovely pictures of New Zealand and the children. It's the first time we've ever yeah. spoke, so it's lovely to talk to you. But but under these circumstances, it's a bit depressing. You said that you loved life there. You described the mountains. What a lovely place to live. And now you have this. Yeah. But, um, I mean, you said yeah. you'd be going home anyway to see Dad, who's uh, who's not well. And please God that, you know, he'll be okay. Maybe, you know, if he's not, yeah. like, uh, cancer, I, I I know all about it in my family, but... Ah, uh, clear. Yeah, and, it's, and, it's and, but yeah, look yeah. at Richie. It's great to talk to you, and um, no, I mean, yeah, see you on the other side. <laughs> see you on the other side. Next time we talk, you'll be you'll be back in the old country. Next time Absolutely, we, we chat, in Leitrim. Yeah. In, in Leitrim, in the old country, yeah. Deep in Leitrim, we can't be found there, Richie. Can't be. Nobody, no, nobody can be found in Leitrim. So the, the absolute best of luck to you and the family in in the travelling. And um, thank you very much, speed. Richie. Look, great to talk to you. That was Claire. Queenstown in New Zealand and it sounded like she was in the other room it's amazing isn't it the text sometimes uh, going back to Leitrim with the family with the very young family with a heavy heart but also looking forward to getting back home to, 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 to looking after dad and, and the family who thankfully are clued into it thank God for that yeah madness eh think we've got Dominic on the line pretty sure we have Dominic how you doing Dominic hi Dash how you doing I'm really good, pal. I'm glad we got you. I saw you were trying to get through and I knew you were you were next in line. Where are you calling from? I'm calling from Glasgow. Ah, you're in Glasgow. Where where the mad COP26 is still going on. Tell me about it. That shit, but it's, uh... <laughs> Have you got police everywhere? Have you got armed security guards everywhere in Glasgow? There's, uh, there's, there's mere police and you can shake a stick at. <laughs> well, it's only until Friday. And then they will all disappear, hopefully. So you've had all the protests up there. You've had Greta up there marching them around. But look, you probably didn't call to uh, to talk about that, my friend. Um, what would you like to chat about, Dominic? It's over to you. Uh, um, I'll just give you a, 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 a brief background uh, on uh, my situation. My situation is this. Uh, myself and my partner have a, a young son. and. Um, she just worked in a bar and uh, I work in uh, security as a doorman. So uh, one night I was watching the kids. She was at work. Uh, obviously, I live up in Glasgow, but she lives in a, a very rural part of Scotland. So I would I would maybe not work for a weekend, go down, watch the wee man 
while she's uh, working in a bar. So she comes home all excited, telling me that she's uh, met a, a rich American who's bought a, a hotel and he's offered her a job. So um, we're really excited. She took the job, then she got promoted very quickly um, to manager. And it came with a, a live-in uh, position. So I gave up my job working in the security up in Glasgow and uh, moved to this rural part of Scotland. I'm not going to say where it is, Richie, obviously. Yeah, okay, thanks for that, for, yeah. Just for reasons. Anyway, so uh, everyone went well, met the Americans. Um, you know, they seemed, seemed very nice. And uh, anyway, so... Um, She's very pro-vaccine and she's very pro-Twitter. She's a a liberal American, the exact opposite of me, Um, my girlfriend. She follows that ideology anyway. um, So your girlfriend is American? No, no, no. I mean, she follows the American... And she's in in favour of the jab and... Um, all, She's in favour yeah. of the jab and we would fight a lot and, and we always have, Richie, but the past couple of years her um, she's became it's almost like she's been radicalised with it because she you know, she's always following the latest outrage about men or something, you know but it's never really been that much of an issue, you know, because we would argue but fair enough, you know, but anyway so you're saying I she's a bit. You're guy, saying you're saying she's a bit woke. Is that what you're saying? A little bit woke. Heavily woke, Richie. Heavily woke. I'm I'm like uh, twelve years older than her. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, and I grew up in the eighties in uh, a very uh, mining uh, community and uh, just outside Glasgow. So so I would be sort of the opposite. But I would consider myself old school left wing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Trade unionist. Yeah. Yeah, so um, I met this American guy, seemed all right. Gave, I drove him back to the airport, had a good good conversation, good crack. And uh, he said to me, um, I was waiting for it to come up, but he did say about, uh, you know, everything that was going on. And this was the first time it came up. And he just said, well, we need to follow the science in this one. And I never said anything, so I took them to the airport, dropped them off, came back. So living in this hotel, picking up my wee boy for school, taking him back, uh, just just way more of the time, you know. And uh, months months went by, and then uh, she's like, "There it is, there. They've uh, asked your vaccination status." So I she said, well, she wanted to know your vaccination status. No, the Americans contacted to say what's the vaccination staff eh, status on the staff, meaning her, which they know, and me, and there's only another two people that work there, and I would say they know their their status, so they're more asking for my status, right. I would say. So she, she said, you need to go and think about this, you need to go and get it, or you can't be run about any guests when they come, right? 
So they had a big thing booked for just before COP26, um, a big group of rich uh, international business people. You know, this is that, you know, when I say a hotel, a hotel's, uh, it's an understatement, it's an estate, you know, uh, a, a very large estate. So everyone was getting ready for this, them coming, and I had been sent away to get the vaccine, which um, I, I'm not going to do, Richie, you know what I mean? And I never done it. So she told me to leave, and I did. And that was uh, a month ago. Um, so I've moved house uh, twice in that time, uh, and it's been uh, it's been very difficult. Jeez, um, I can only imagine it has been. And are you still seeing your little boy? Yeah, I went. I went down and seen him. Uh, I took him to Blackpool actually um, three weeks ago. Uh, she contacted me. What you doing was and that you know like a bit of emotional blackmail. I say as well, I'm not getting the vaccine, so. It, you know what I mean? It's over to you. So I says, I'll take him to Blackpool. So I nipped down, took him to Blackpool. It was brilliant, man. Nobody was wearing masks. Uh, it was just like, honestly, you wouldn't have known that that, that COVID existed. Uh, we had a great time. Put him on some of the rides. He was screaming to get after him. Uh, took him back. And then I was down seeing him again last week, uh, which was very... Um, very oppressive, you know, picked him up for school, uh, took him back there to the hotel where, you know, um, I just kind of made, made kind of light of it a wee bit, you know, but, um, you know, like just saying, oh, is that, is that, is that delivery driver vaccinated? Uh, You know, uh, the guests vaccinated, you know, obviously they don't ask these questions, you know, but, I feel, I feel, um, I feel what's happened to me is obviously, obviously a, a warning sign of what's uh, what's coming, Richie. You know, sorry for my wee bit nervous. No, mate, not at all. You, you don't sound nervous, Dominica. I, I, I hear you loud and clear. So, <sighs> so staff. So it's a case of the hotel saying that staff can't work there unless they're jammed. But, but obviously guests can come in and go and. Delivery people can come and go, and and how is your relationship now with your son's mum, with your partner? How how is that working now? Well, it's um, there's there's obviously very little uh, little little correspondence because I'm so angry. So what what happened the last time I was there, um, which was last week? Um, I wasn't allowed to go near for uh, a few weeks while these uh, this group of Americans and business leaders were having their, their uh, couple of weeks uh, holiday here at, uh, at the estate. I, I think some of them were here as a wee stop gap before the COP26 because right. they, seemed to all, they all left on the day the COP started. So I think they, were, they, were, um, they, they then came to Glasgow. So I went down just after it, as I say, picked my boy up from school, and I said, um, so your man, uh, did they mention me? Did they say anything? No, 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 no. She says, um, it was all just 100 miles an hour. Um, 
They had banquets. They had a pheasant shoot, which um, they'd reared the uh, pheasants. But uh, I must say, I was very um, happy to hear that all the pheasants had uh, flown away and they only, I think they only shot one or two. Is that right? Yeah. I'm not too yeah. fond of that. I, I don't consider that to be yeah, a sport well. either. But Dominic, yeah. ultimate, ultimately, we, we know that the regulations in Scotland, the regulations, the, the COVID measures are more stringent than they are here in the UK. But still, there was no legal cover for the hotel or for anybody else to tell you that you couldn't work because you haven't yeah. had a job. That that hasn't, there, there, there is no basis in law for that. I mean, b- before I move on and take another call, have you have you thought about that and what you might do about that? Because that's blatant discrimination against you, and it's not yeah, backed well, by any law, you know. Yeah, but he didn't do it. He didn't do it. My partner your, done your, it. Your partner and did she, it. Yeah. And she's adamant. No, I've done it. I've told you to go. But she has no authority to do that. But you have to keep the peace. You you feel you can't challenge that because. Because of your son. No, exactly. I don't. I, yeah. I don't want to uh, jeopardise my son's future because it is a good job she's got. Well, that's that's proper, decent of you, and I think it's the right thing to do. I mean, you're you're able-bodied, you're bright, you can pick up work somewhere else, but still, yeah, I think you're right. It's obviously the circumstances will be different for other people, but it is a sign of things to come. I think ultimately the private sector will push the the COVID passports or the no jab, no job. I I think that's definitely coming down the line, Dominic. There's no yeah. way. There's, there's no doubt about that. Can I can I ask you one final question before we um before I take another call? I'm mindful of the time. Um, I'm asking you a question. I'm asking you to be quick with the answer, but yet it's probably going to be a longer answer. At some stage, it might be suggested that your lad is jabbed what would you do well, then? well actually the last conversation I had whenever I get told to leave initially was um, about she said about the flu jab because I had they'd left the forms in the school bag and I hadn't filled them in right and she said uh, I mean what about the flu jab I said well he doesn't need it and uh, then I looked and I went you're not going to get him the Covid Jab, and she said, "Well, I need to look into it." And at that point, uh, I lost my peace, and I and I felt very disturbed, and I had to leave instantly. Um, I thought about it, Richie, and um, I don't know. You know, I can see. I don't know. I, honest to God, I, I do not know, but I know I need to regroup myself. Yeah, but don't be. That's coming. Yeah, it might be coming. It might not be. You know, your 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 partner might say, "Well, look, uh, maybe he's got a point. Maybe you know, there's no need to be giving the young lad uh, that job." Look, um, Dominic, thanks for being uh, so candid, mate, and and being so honest about your own experience. I really appreciate it, and uh, it's been good to chat with you. It really has been. Nice one, Richie. Nice one. Uh, I want to say every day, uh, keep the faith, keep fighting. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. Dominic in Glasgow, thanks for that. And I, I know for a fact there are people going through this. I know for a fact there are people who 
are maybe not together all the time or are maybe separated, but they have children. And because of the, the, the government and SAGE, that's the scientific advisory group on emergencies advising the government that yes, you should roll the jabs out to 12 to 15 year olds, which which it is. In America, they've approved the jabs for five year old children and older. So obviously you've got problems where you have parents and they don't even need to be separated. You have parents who are, well, before this, before this scam, you have parents who are getting on really well. But maybe one half of the couple is alive to the agendas that we talk about on the Richie Allen show. Maybe one half of the couple is, might be mum, might be dad. They're thinking, no way is the teenage daughter or teenage son getting jabbed. But the other half of the couple is like, well, they should be. These are serious things that are going on in people's homes, you know. We're going to the telephone now. Caller, welcome to the programme. Who am I speaking with? Hey, Richie, this is Eric in, Eric in Gloucester. Eric in Gloucester. We spoke before, but it's been yonks. How are you doing? It's been a while. I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I want to be quick with you just to give you an update here in Massachusetts. Hey, listen, don't, you know, be, don't be quick. Don't be quick. It's been two years since we spoke, at least, uh, from, from Massachusetts. I'm delighted that you got through. Eric, in, in, in the great state of Massachusetts, my friend. Lovely to connect with you again. Over to you. Go ahead. Well, quite aware that you guys are dealing with much different uh, pressures and situations in the UK and Scotland, especially Ireland. Just a quick report here. You know, it, it has loosened up. Uh, people are, are just living their lives almost like it doesn't exist. It, it's almost omnipresent, but no, people wear masks. But no one's gotten in my face about it. I've had a couple of run-ins. Uh, I'm a building contractor. I've had a couple of run-ins with clients. One who's a physician who promptly freaked the F out on me for not being vaccinated. And I just said, hey, you're fired. <laughs> like, I'm not going to put up with you. Um, the, the clubs are open. The, uh, a couple of the groups that I play music with uh, were performed. No masks, no bull. You know, Brilliant. completely normal, fun gigs. It, Tightened up a little bit in Boston um, over probably about a month ago where a couple of the clubs where we perform uh, were asking people for vaccination status and turning people away. Um, one fellow drove for, uh, you know, 100 miles to come see the group, and I, I, I gave him like 80 bucks for gas and, and apologized profusely. You know, it, it's there, but it's sort of not. And yeah. I think it's really loosening up. And I'm, I'm experiencing a lot of people who were very – very scared and concerned about their health and the health of our country and the world who now are seeing this as, as the bullshit that it is. I, I, I mean, I'm trying to, trying to, trying to sort of unblack pill the discussion a little bit because I'm experiencing, and I think a lot of the people that I speak with would share my sentiment that it is loosening up and people are looking at this clown world scenario and saying, what the fuck? Yeah, yeah, but you know what I like? I'll tell you what I like. I like the fact that you, in the so-called first world, in the so-called West, the, the US, you are the most vaccine-hesitant of all of the Western democracies. That's a wonderful thing there. You're still hovering around about 55, 60% uptake, Eric. That's good news. It's, 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 it's good yeah. news, that. Yes, a lot of the people that 
I associate with, like my musician buddies, my brothers, the guys that I work with. Uh, the musician, two, two of the musicians that I, I play with, uh, Kevin and Nick, Frequinox, <laughs> shout out. Um, they took the vaccine. Um, they have their own set of health issues where um, they thought it was a good thing. Their doctor recommended it. So they went ahead and did it. They had no complications except for, you know, the, you know, the after jab sickness. And then I've had a couple of friends who work in, for example, hospital security who are losing their job, who are going to be impacted by it directly. Um, so it, it's sort of a mixed bag in terms of, of, of who has had the real negative experience of, of facing losing their employment. Yeah. And at the same time, maybe it's just the people, you know, we, we all, you know, sort of alternative type, you know, fuck the system type people, but we're not, we're not really impacted by it very much. And, and that sense of independence, being able to be independent, probably is, is the causative agent of that. You've and got a Republican... I, I, heart, sorry, Eric, you've got a Republican governor there. Don't tell me, don't tell me, don't tell me. I've been reading about him. It's Charlie Parker. No, it isn't. It's uh, Who is it? Uh, that's that, <laughs> Charlie Parker. <laughs> Alto Sax. No, ah, Charlie ba Baker. Baker, Baker. Yeah, Charlie <laughs> Parker's the legendary musician, of course. <laughs> Yeah, Charlie Baker. I'm an idiot. What? He, so he's a Republican. What, what? What is he like? Is he? Is he like some of those Southern governors? Is he anti, you know, tyranny, or or is he going along with it? I at the beginning, I was very impressed with the way he was calm and collected, and sort of wanted to manage it. Um, was not authoritarian at all, and then he sort of became that way, and then it started to loosen up, and and really, again, in. We're, Gloucester and Rockport are an island, so we've got two bridges onto the island. So it, it might be different out here, but for the most part, it, it loosened up last spring. Like we had a normal summer, like it was normal. Like I, I, I you know, I I'll be completely frank. I forged a vaccine card. If anyone's going to ask me for it, here, look at it. Hang on, hang fuck on, you, you know, hang on, hang on. Let's <laughs> let's just stay with forging the vaccine passport. How did you do that? Uh, Talk us through it now, my, Eric. A lady friend of mine um, who I was dating was uh, is a teacher. Uh, she received her mandatory vaccine. Um, she said, "Hell, I'll do it." She works with you know at a school for the you know dis disabled and, and uh, mentally challenged folks. So whatever she had to she had to do it. She 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 didn't want to. She was anti the whole time, but then she had to do it. She said, "I'll, I'll do it." So I took the card, I t used my phone, took a picture of it, printed it out on heavy gauge paper, um, cropped it to scale, and uh, applied my uh, doctor-like hieroglyphic writing to it and made it look, I just made it look illegible, but it looks real. And I've only had to present it twice. I have a picture of it on my phone and if they're going to force me to do something, I mean, I, I'll, I'll give you the bird on that one, man. I, I ain't going to do it. So, so where where, I, I, where did you need to present that forgery then? Where did you need to use it to access? Uh, there is a club in Boston called Club Jungle, and we were slated to perform there. And it is one of the uh, clubs in, uh, actually in Alston, I believe. And... 
they had someone at the door asking, and as we were loading in, I just flashed the picture of it on my phone, and no one. They, they Nobody scanned one, us. and that's they didn't. They didn't even look, really, you know. Isn't it just absolutely disgustingly tyrannical? Isn't it? Is that it is. the land of the free? Some some geezer asks to see if you've had a jab before you can go and take the stage and and rock the house. So who would have believed it? Even two years ago, when when we last spoke on on a phone in, we we knew that a big Orwellian, as I said to uh, Dominic, is that a big Orwellian agenda was coming down the line. But we didn't. See, I didn't see this coming. But here we are. Well, here, here's some. Here's a perspective, and I'll make this quick. Some of the some of my clients in the building world are well placed in the medical field, uh, very high up. Uh, one of my one of my clients actually was on the team that developed the CRISPR technology uh, with Harvard and MIT. He makes a good point, and and and, and the unnamed fellow who uh, I'm referring to. He's a smart guy, and he sees through the BS. His kids aren't getting the vaccine. He knows what this technology is because he has firsthand experience in working with it. That being said, he makes the point that the people in charge of this are, in, are zealots. They're enthusiasts. They're virologists. That's what their life's focus is. They can't turn a screw. They can't pound a nail. They can't cook an omelet. So all they're into is virology and public safety. Of course, they're going to freak out about it and use their position to to just freak out about what they're into it's like they overemphasize their interest in the subject without realizing the human cost it reaches down the lives of every man woman and child in the planet and you've got a bunch of what amounts to geeks and nerds and useless pathetic human beings that live in fear because all they've studied is the most dangerous shit in the whole world. It's like, yeah. what do you yeah. expect? These people are useless. So, of course, they're going to have useless policies and apply a, a useless worldview through authoritarianism. And the people that love authoritarianism use them as their excuse. Dr. Fauci is a perfect example. Was he on Sesame he really Street yesterday? Him? Was that dickhead on Sesame Street yesterday or, or at the weekend? I think he was, Fauci. They put him on Sesame Street to push the jabs to children. It's disgusting. I remember when I was a kid, I, I saw Stevie Wonder play on, on Sesame Street when I was a kid, man. They played Superstition. Like, yeah. Sesame Street has fallen as far as I'm concerned. I know it has. We loved it in Ireland. We, we got it. In, the, the Irish broadcaster used to buy the, the Sesame Street from the Children's Television Network or whatever it was. And we'd, we'd watch it and we loved it. So Fauci was on. It's a pity that Big Bird didn't kick him in the fucking balls really hard and put him down. And yeah. by rights, he would have, a, a six foot tall bird <laughs> costume to probably crush the guy. He's useless. <laughs> Eric, I'll, I'll tell you what, I'm going to take one more call. I'll give you 15 seconds to, have, to make your final point. I'm so thrilled to speak to you again, my friend. It's been, it was 2019 last time we spoke. Easy. So thanks for reaching out again. Quick final word to you, buddy, and Godspeed to you. Thank you, Richie. I appreciate everything you do. I appreciate your guests. Uh, as a contributor, I encourage everyone else to contribute. Keep going, man. And, and let's not be totally blackpilled. Things can get better if we apply ourselves and do something. Make a small change and tell someone to fuck up if you need to. Simple as that. Top man, Eric. In Gloucester. Thanks, Eric. God bless uh, the, the brilliant Eric in Gloucester. Eric phoned in a couple of times a couple of years ago. 
and uh, it's great to hear him speak uh, to us again. He's a gas man in Gloucester, Massachusetts, a place that I visited visited many, many years ago, back in 2002, I think. I'm taking one final call, and it's going to be three minutes only, sadly. Hey, caller, you're the final one this evening. Welcome to the programme. Who am I speaking with? Hi, Richie. It's Lee. Lee. Lee from Leeds. Well, Lee from me. We spoke before, but not recently. Welcome back, Lee. What would you like to yeah, say, we- my friend? Oh, um, yeah, we spoke about um, last September. It was, that's right, nearly a year ago. Yeah, over a year ago. That's yeah, right. Do you, remember, yeah. do you remember the good old days of 2020? I know, the good old days. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> well, oh, Lee, crazy. let's be honest. Let's be honest, Back in late 2020, we didn't believe that it was going to get any better. We didn't believe that they wouldn't no. knock down at Christmas. We knew what was no. coming, pal. Listen, we genuinely only have about three minutes, so over to you to make a quick point. Oh well, I'd like to talk to you further, but I will make it. Uh, last last time I spoke to you was about the uh, local music scene, but I, I would like to talk about my experience about losing my dad in May of 2020. But, uh, but there isn't enough time to do that, so I will. Uh, I'll save that for the next time that hopefully you have a a, a call in. Absolutely. Um, well, the next time I do, I'll, I'll, because we've only got a couple of minutes to tell you what. Next time we'll do, I'm going to do a phone in in two weeks from today because I'm doing them every two yeah. weeks. I'll get you on. That's a promise. Oh, God bless you. Well, I'll just... Okay, well, what I'll do is I'll finish up with my last time on, the, on my point of uh, talking about the uh, local music scene. I remember um, the, the sort of local music scene, that when they had a little chance to get back playing live in 2020, they were all sort of committing music suicide, so to speak. Because uh, we had local rock bands that wanted to play uh, or got offered the chance to play, but they were then... You know, we, remember when they, um, they opened up everything? And then they did. They, they brought this bullshit about uh, the rule of six. Yeah, the and rule of six. Yeah, yeah. There were bad, there were local bands around me. They were cancelling gigs, saying, "Oh, it's not fair if we can't see our families." And the rule of six. And and uh, in my band that I play in, we 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 got back playing a few months back before all the restrictions were lifted in inverted commas. And I must admit, I hated it. I hated it completely because we had. Uh, I was there playing, we were playing outdoor gigs. The bands, you know, the, the audience were, weren't allowed to dance, they weren't allowed to sing. Yeah, but they could that. vape and they could smoke. You know, that's fine. Or if you wanted to dance, you, go to, you had to go dance out of the street and not the cordon there. It, 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 it was awful. You, it was wit- awful. you witnessed all of that bollocks as a musician. People told not to sing, people told to stay in their seats. Yeah. All that crap. Yeah, and there were, there were idiots that were standing up. And you know, whacking on the mask outside to go for a piss. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, it's, it go inside. You know, excuse me for swearing, but it was, it was just, it was just ridiculous. It I saw this ridiculous. in Cornwall. I saw this in Cornwall in August, and I saw it in the Lake District in April of this year. People getting up from their tables and putting masks on to go inside for a wee. It's just, it, it, it the mind does boggle, doesn't it? You, you kind of find yeah. yourself pissed off like you, but also chuckling. At the abject stupidity of these people, God love them. Yeah, bless them, and, and you have to pray for them because even today I was I was uh, just pulling up outside the post office a postal package for my wife, and there was an old lady who was walking up with a Zimmer frame. She was smoking a <laughs> Benson and edges or whatever it was, and she, and she was cuffing and wheezing, whacked a mask on, oh my to go God. into the post office. And, oh, come on, love, come on, yeah. come on, love. You're, you're yeah, in, you live the life. 
You've had a good so, life. Yeah. You're using a Zimmer frame now because your body's breaking down a bit, and you've yeah. you, you've got you've got a fag on, and you've also got yeah. a mask. I tell you what, Lee, we're going to leave it there. I'm a man of my word. Do you know what yeah. I've just done? I've just taken down your phone number. I've written it down, Lee from Leeds. Uh, next phone in. Come on for a few minutes and talk to us about your dad. Then. Yeah, I love. I'd love to. Yeah, yeah. Because I think uh, some people may relate. And then I like to. I know you like to keep your shows under the two hours. So I will. I will. I will sign off now. But God bless you, Richard. And I'll. You know, I'll send you some quidditch again. And uh, you know, I love to support the show. And I and I encourage everybody else to do so. Thanks very, Thank much, you very Lee. much for your time, Richard. Any time, mate. Thank you. And a man of my word, we'll we'll get Lee back on to talk about his dad, as uh, I said there. Next time we do a phone in, which will be two weeks, because I am sticking to my word. Aren't I? Every two weeks we do a phone-in. And, uh, geez, we were everywhere today. We were, we were in New Zealand, Queenstown. We were in Madrid, Gloucester, Massachusetts. We've been all around the world on the Richie Allen Show. Closing out with, with one of my favourite songs of all time. This is America and Ventura Highway. Thanks for listening. Thanks for calling. Bye for now. Speak to you next time. Bye. Bye.